Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Alexa, who is Adam Ferrar? Adam Ferrara is an American actor and comedian known for playing the roles of Chief Needles Nelson on Rescue Me, Sergeant Frank Virelli opposite Edie Falco on Nurse Jackie. He was a co-host on the U.S. version of Top Gear. He has had three Comedy Central specials and his new album is called It's Scary In Here. Adam's new podcast is a big hit and available everywhere. Sounds like it could be funny. Sounds to me like 30 minutes you'll never get back. Hi guys, thank you for coming back or checking us out for the first time. Either way, we're glad you're here. We have another great show for you this week. My guest in the ADD interview is comedian Brian Regan. And we want to welcome everyone from our Talk To Me Tuesday family. That's our conversation we have every week, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Go to my website, click the link, and join us. And our superfan shout-out is for Joe Grove. Hey, Joe. Where you going with that gun in your hand? <laughs> is that a song? Joey! Is that a song? Joey! Joey! Is that a song? Hey, Joe. You know, Jimi Hendrix, hey, Joe. Oh, okay. I got to let you out of the I'm, house once in a while. I know who Jimi Hendrix is. I know. I didn't got, know there's a song called Hey, Joe. Idea. Well, it wasn't his. He redid it. Okay. He impressed Chaz Chandler, who was the bass player for the animals. Oh, look at me going down the rabbit hole. Anyway. <laughs> here we go. How is everybody? Thank you so much for being here with us. And by us, of course, I mean my beautiful wife, Alex. Hello there. You little wing you. Another <laughs> Jimi Hendrix song you have no idea. Uh, okay, I was like, hmm. All right. I know my nickname's Ladyhawk, but. <laughs> yes. And my lifelong friend, Phil Tag. How are you, pal? Good, buddy. What's happening? Good to see you, my friend. And my pal, my pod producer, and a man we're very grateful is back in long pants. <laughs> he did make fun of your white shorts yes your tiny white shorts that's, that's what he called it marcus stern how are you my friend i am good it is good to be back uh back in my home mm -hmm. uh and done with the tennis tournament the u.s open which is why you're wearing short little pants because it was for work it was for work yeah. it is it is part of the required uniform mm -hmm. yes yeah well we're glad you're back. And I, I thought of you at the U.S. Open because I saw, was it Djokovic who hit the lady with the ball? Oh, my God. Yeah. You saw that? I that saw was, it. I was waiting was... to see you run out with your doctor bag. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. I I didn't see that at all. Where do I see this? Okay. Wait, first wow. of all, what, what you guys don't know is Mark has a doctor bag. He walks around with his headphones in. Uh, it's a doctor's satchel. If yeah. Why is it a doctor bag? Because like he's, he's an idiot. No, that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool. I, it's a doctor's satchel. Mm -hmm. I use it to carry. My brother gave it to me for my birthday. And it's perfect for carrying my microphone, my headphones, like any kind of wires I have. So I keep it in that. And I call myself a doctor of broadcasting. Mm. But then <laughs> when I go through security and they have to look in it, they're like, well, there's, there's the peanuts and a couple of candy bars. <laughs> there are a lot of snacks. I'm like, yeah, well, it's a long day. You know, yeah. you got to feed yourself. So, That's hilarious. Yes. So I was waiting to see you run up with your doctor bag because that, they tell Phil what happened because he missed it. Okay. So uh, Novak Djokovic, for those who know, is, is one of the greatest players ever. And he was the number one seed in the Open. And everybody you talked to was like, oh, he's going to win this tournament. It's like no question. And he's in this match with this guy. And he loses a game. And he just sort of swats the ball back towards the the back line, mm -hmm. 
and without really looking, and, but he really hits it hard. And in a one in a million shot, he hits a line judge, this woman in her 60s, probably, right in the throat ah. and just knocks her down. Yeah, it, it and, knocked her out. Almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she had to leave the court. And for, again, it, I didn't really know this rule, but if it's called ball abuse, and <laughs> and if you do that, wow, easy, easy, guys. Don't There's say a low that, Adam. Joke there. <laughs> yeah, I was already there in my head. <laughs> I was there too, but it wasn't in my head. <laughs> exactly. So if you do that, you're you're immediately disqualified. You're you're um, defaulted. Yeah. So he so the number one seed of the tournament in the middle of his match that you know everyone thought he was going to win when the whole tournament all of a sudden he's gone and then. He doesn't stick around. I don't know if you guys saw this. He doesn't yeah. stick around for the pe- press conference to sort of talk about it and be like, yeah, I'm really sorry. And he, his issues, a lot of people aren't big fans of his anyways, even though he's so good. Mm-hmm. And he just compounded this by, I guess he had a friend there with a Tesla and he jumps in this Tesla and there's literally a bus coming the other direction. They swerve around it and just peel out, just getting out of Dodge like they just robbed the bank looks so bad. Well, I have to take his side a little bit because I wanted to ask you that, and I'm so glad you explained it because when I saw it, it looked like it was an accident. Mm -hmm. And I understand the rule, and I understand his position. I feel bad about the lady, but he probably thought he got, you know, you you get all hyped up. You've worked for years, and he's in this position, and then this rule that was written who knows when, it it should have some sort of... I think the rule was actually written at the first sign of ball abuse. <laughs> well, I, I think it should have had some sort of leeway because it was a horrible accident. But to be completely disqualified, mm. I think he was probably upset. Yeah, I agree with Alex. I think it's you know, if it was an accident, why not let the guy play? It would be the same thing if uh, you're playing baseball and the bat flies in the stands and hits somebody in the head, mm-hmm. and the person's not allowed to play baseball anymore, or for that series or whatever. Well, That's ridiculous. Well, then let let let's go to our Marcus Stern, who works the U.S. Open for an official report. Yes, Marcus. <laughs> Matthew, I'm on court 16, and it's a very tense moment here. Um, <laughs> no, well, basically, this has happened many times before. In fact, one player got so mad that he slammed the ball, and it hit the chair on fire. The guy that's sitting up in, like, the lifeguard chair mm-hmm. hit him in the eye, broke his eye socket. Oh. And so they made a rule, and I don't know if, if this rule came out of that, but they made a rule very clearly. It's If you do it, it doesn't matter whether it's accidental, you're out. Because they don't want to make it a subjective thing. Right. Within the chair umpire has to make the determination, well, was that intentional? Clearly, Djokovic didn't mean to do it. You could see in his face immediately after, like, slow motion, no, no, yeah. like trying to grab the ball. Right. And, also, you know, Mark, he ran over to her. He ran yeah. over to her and said, oh, my gosh, are you okay? Right. So the rule's basically there as it's a safety issue. That's why there's no yes. way around. Okay. Yeah, and, it's, and, and if you let him off with it, then every other player is going to say, we only let him off because he's the number one seed, and mm, that's yeah. not fair for the rest of us. Yeah. And to be honest with you, he clocked that lady. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. I got. Oh. I got. I, I actually. I have the audio from the news. Listen to this. The fuck. Of course, it's me. See, I know. yeah, I was glued in. I was ready to hear what it is. I was excited, and it's me. It's me. <laughs> the fuck. <laughs> I'm glad you're back, and I'm glad we have an answer for that. Moving on from ball abuse. <laughs> Ooh, ow. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Well, I, I don't know what you, uh, just, just to catch you up, what you missed while you were gone was uh, you missed um, Phil's debut on ER. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. What? That's yeah. so cool. You were on ER, man? That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Phil did an episode of ER. This was years ago. You were, on, you were on the Warner Brothers lot, right? Yeah, I was on the Warner Brothers lot working on another project and was walking around with, uh, with uh, one of the producers. And, uh, yeah, and we saw he was like, hey, that's the ER set over there. And uh, he walks me over and the director comes out. He knew the director. I think it was Adam Arkin. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, hey, you want to be in a scene? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And, and, and my buddy's like, uh, yeah, OK, I'm going back to the office. You know, have fun. I'll see you in a little bit. A little bit turned into four hours, number one. OK. <laughs> wow. Okay. Two, it was in the middle of summer, and it was, uh, but it was a winter scene, so they had fake snow. So they put me in this heavy coat. It was ninety degrees outside in the valley. They put me in this gigantic coat, fake snow on my head, and um, I don't know. I did like several different shots with Anthony Edwards. It was a really cool thing, and uh, and I had forgotten about it really. And so I've been binge watching ER just to see the episode. 
That's what I've been doing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. You started at the very beginning? I did. How many? Yeah. Wait, what season did you do? Six fucking seasons I watched <laughs> till I got to my episode. <laughs> so I'm watching it. And all it is, Mark, is Anthony Edwards walks up to the ER bay near an ambulance and he's talking to this other doctor on a bike and all the way in the background by the back brick wall i just walk you don't even see my face i just walk by that's all it is and i'm like and i'm sitting there and i'm like that's it that's it how do you even know it's you i wish it wasn't me it's embarrassing that's all i got (laughs) were you watching these episodes like the zabruder film just like frame by frame no here's actually actually it's a pretty good show i don't know if you've watched it Oh, I love the yard. No, it was great. Yeah, Phenomenal. we had. Yeah, there, <laughs> I wish I had done this before we had Anthony Edwards on the podcast because I would love to have talked to him. But he's great. He's really good in it. So you sent me the scene. I saw the guy walking in the background. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's not even you. And you got so <laughs> angry with me. I the did, guy was there was four a- hours. That's me. I'm telling you. <laughs> See that snow? That they put that in my. It was summertime when we shot that. <laughs> I made it. It was. Marky goes like this. I made the choice to look cold. Okay. <laughs> I made the choice to put my hands in my pockets and hunch over because it was winter. Don't tell me that's not me. And I he got yeah. so angry. I said, yeah, "Of course, Phil, it's you." I could tell by the hunch. I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? I don't have a hunch. Philly the hunch. I was there four hours. I was there four hours with other extras. You are beautiful, Philip. Whatever. Listen, because because you were in the right place at the right time, you're on the Warner Brothers lot. You had an opportunity to be on ER. That's that's so cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was cool for three seconds. Brian Regan, because of the circumstances of the Tonight Show, got to do panel with Johnny Carson. He wins. I believe so. Bye, Phil. Love you. Yeah, I love you too. <laughs> Listen Whatever. to this, and we'll see you on the other side. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So when you're a background actor, a lot of the time they will say background and that's when you start doing the thing that they told you to do. I just walk by. That's all it is. And I'm like, and I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's it. That's it. You're listening to the Adam Ferrara podcast. He has suffered for his art. And now it's your turn. I don't want to argue with my wife because I can't win. I'm outnumbered. Every argument in my house, it's me against my wife and Alexa. Honey, honey, that's not what I said. Really? Alexa, play it back. Yesterday he said he would do it today. It's today, and it's still not done. This is not the first time he's done this. Okay, Alexa, that's enough. It's more than enough. My hard drive is clogged with unfulfilled promises. That joke is from my new comedy album called It's Scary in Here. It was recorded live in New York City. It was released Friday worldwide. It hit the iTunes chart and... Debuting all the way up at number one. Yep, we hit number one on iTunes. Now, if you'd like to get the album, there's a link to it right in the show notes. And I want to thank each and every one of you for all the love and support you've shown me. This is Casey Kasem in Hollywood. And of course, I want to thank you too, Casey. And I want to thank Don for for calling and congratulating me as well. Is Don on the phone? Yes. Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Okay. Uh, a god- last goddamn time, I want somebody to use his fucking brain yep. to not come out of a goddamn record I'm sorry. That is, uh, that, that's up-tempo, and I gotta talk about a fucking dog dying. All right, Casey's very upset. Listen to this. 
Pay attention when I'm talking to you, boy. ADHD, it's not just for kids. Nice boy, but doesn't listen to a word you say. Welcome to the ADD interview. It's not that you're not interesting, it's just that I can't focus. And my guest this week is... Oh, look, a bird! My guest this week is one of the premier frontline comedians in the world, and has been for a long, long time. Uh, he has the unique distinction of having a universal audience appeal, as well as the undeniable respect of his peers. He's a pal, and I'm very grateful he's made some time for us today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's Brian Regan. Hello, Adam. How are you, man? I'm good, my friend. How you doing? Uh, yeah, everything is good, man. Good to talk to you. Good to see you, etc., etc. I had Jay Moore on the podcast, and your name came up. We were laughing about something. Jay said was like, you know, when you see the other comics walking out of the mine, that's when Regan goes in. He's like, all right, now I'm going in. The way you take a premise and there's nothing left on those bones when you're done. You, you, <laughs> you, know, you know, you write like a swarm of fire ants on a goat carcass, Regan. <laughs> you don't want to leave anything behind. No. Yeah, I like that uh, analogy. You know, there's there's always more in there. You know, everybody else is coming out with their pickaxes. Mm-hmm. There, ain't, there ain't nothing left in there. And it's like, uh, I got to go in and see if there's, I got to see if there's some airline jokes in there. <laughs> no, but you have, you, your universal appeal is, first of all, you you work clean. I don't know if that was a conscious effort or, or just an, a, an evolution. That. I, when I first started, I was not 100% clean. Mm-hmm. I was, but I was 90% clean, 95% clean. Yeah. And uh, I had a couple of, you know, four letter words here or there and a couple of off color premises. And I just found that those weren't, didn't feel as natural to me as yeah. me just not saying that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I um, decided to just work clean just because I wanted it to be a hundred percent something, you know, and it, it had nothing to do with me being prudish or wholesome or anything like that. It just had to do with, well, if I'm going to, why do, why do something 90%? It might as well be a hundred percent. And so I did it and I just enjoyed doing it that way. And then I found there was a byproduct from it. I didn't do it for this reason, but um, like if I was on a comedy club Tuesday through Sunday, mm. it seemed like families, have a scout that they're yeah. willing to send out. They're, <laughs> they're willing. They're willing to let them go hear bad words. Yeah. You know, if they're out there. But so the scout goes out on Tuesday and tells the rest of the family this guy's okay, and then they come back on Friday or Saturday, and the whole family comes and sees the show. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and it's fun, good. yeah, and it's the, the 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 two things I admire is one is it's the authenticity of, of who you are you know your art is a hundred percent thing just to have the the awareness of going I want it to be authentic to me as an artist but right and so as an artist you're you're clean you know as a person you're filthy <laughs> so I was sipping coffee and almost uh, yeah I know we, we've known each <laughs> other for a long yeah we, we've no, known each other for a long time and and you're you're it's, dirty. It's, it's true. I, I, I mean, not filthy, filthy, but I, I can, I can be as you know, dirty as anybody else off, off, uh, off stage. Yeah, I don't yeah. Know why it took so long to say the word stage. Yeah. Maybe that's how seldom I've been performing. I can't think of words that are supposed to be right at the forefront of my mind. <laughs> but anyway, I, I did a show one time. And after the show, I'm hanging out with these people, and a guy who runs a radio station is there with his girlfriend. And he's we're all sitting at the table, and he tells his girlfriend, you know, uh, Brian here has um, never had a drop of alcohol, and he has never uh, said a curse word in his entire life. And I just think that's admirable. <laughs> and the server came over, and I said, I'll have a fucking beer. <laughs> great i i was halfway through that story and go that's not even remotely true <laughs> it's not that you need to be edgy or angry or filthy or off color to have the respect of comics it's just got to be funny and you can exactly. and you can do both well thank you i i yeah i i i like that comics seem to tip their hat my way it means a lot to me yeah, that's that's one of the reasons that I'm very pleased and and that that I I can 
my stuff is well received by by my colleagues, and that means more to me than than uh, than than pretty much anything else. Yeah, it means a lot. You know, uh, you, you want to feel like you're welcomed into whatever community you're involved with, and uh, you know th- that expression playing to the back of the room. Yeah. You know, me- comedians in the back. I never did that. I, like I never, I, I never got to the point where I didn't care about the audience, and I only cared about other comedians. I I consider myself a pig. I want everybody <laughs> laughing. <laughs> I want the front of the room and the back yeah. of the room laughing. I Plus, want everything I can get. Yeah, and I'm, I'm not that smart to know, oh, this is for them. I'm not that smart. I can just write what's funny to me. Exactly. Exactly. All right, I got to ask about cars because I know you did this, and I'm, I'm dying to ask you. You drove a NASCAR. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I was, uh, you know, I was a NASCAR driver for six years. Um, <laughs> a lot of people were like, where's Regan? He's not doing the comedy. Oh, circuit. yeah. Oh, there he is. He's driving around on the oval. Um, <laughs> no, in Las Vegas, they have a, I don't think they have it anymore, but they had a thing called the Richard Petty Experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the king. And you could go there. I went with my little brother, Terry, and you have to go like hours early to take, you know, to learn how to do it and that sort of thing. And uh, it's great. You you actually, you, you can do two things. One, you can be a passenger and you have a guy who knows how to drive and you can just be a passenger. You can do it that way. Or you can choose to drive with no one else in the car. So I did both of those. I wanted to drive one. Sure. And um, it's funny. They have a stick shift. I hadn't driven a stick in years. So and I don't know how many gears there are. There's like five gears or something. All of them you're, you're using in the pits. To yeah, get out just of the pit. to get you're already in, You're already in full mode once you hit the thing, and you never shift again. <laughs> yeah, that's a tall gear, baby. It's all, you're whatever the high, if it's fifth gear, you're in fifth gear the whole way. Yeah. And the only time you downshift is when you're coming into the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, there's a picture of me when I'm leaving the pit. I, I couldn't get that thing from first to second. And there's a picture <laughs> of a guy in a jumpsuit with his, you know, his whole body it, it coming in the window, helping me shift gears. It's <laughs> so damn humiliating. <laughs> You're like a moron. Like, I don't know how to drive this thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, they they brought uh they brought the uh, the 1966 GT40 race car out of the museum for me to drive on Top Gear. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. And but Brian, I drove it eight feet. That's it. That's all you're allowed to drive it because it's a museum piece. Oh. But I was terrified of stalling it because you know it's it's a right hand drive, so everything's backwards. You know, I mean, the clutch is still is still your left foot, but but the shifter is is your left uh your left hand, not your right hand. So the first time I have to drive it is on camera. So I'm terrified of stalling it. So I started up. I I I I I put it in first gear, second gear, past the camera. That's it. The guys from the museum come over. They open up the door. They go, "You did good. Most people stall it." <laughs> that had to be fun, man. Yeah, that was fun. But you you I think you said you had well, last time we talked we were bullshitting about cars. Yeah, but you had a Datsun. You had a five ten. Datsun five ten. Yeah, I don't know if that's considered a museum piece like the one you're describing, <laughs> but uh, it yeah. is in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a premier, premier thing in a Japan museum. But uh, I, I had a handful of cars out on the road. A mm-hmm. Datsun five ten. I drove for a while. I had another car. I can't even remember what it was. I had a car breakdown north of Huntsville, Alabama. Right. You know, you just drive them until they stopped, you know, so I was driving and it's just making all kinds of noises. And I'm like, this thing doesn't have much life yet. So it just I was able to get it off the highway into one of those gas stations on the side of the road. And uh, the guy told me it was a transmission problem. It was going to cost more than it cost me to, to get the car. Sure. So uh, I said, uh, you want to buy it? And he goes, uh, he goes, I'll tell you what, he goes. I'll give you, I'll give you 50 bucks for your car. And I said, uh, listen, man, how about, how about, how about 250? Mm-hmm. He goes, ah, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> I said, you know what? You know, I'm not in a great position here. So mm-hmm. why don't we just kind of, 
you know, let, let's make this fair. I, I, I said, I know parts, you'll be able to get something out of this. Why don't we make it like 150 bucks? He goes, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> and I said, listen, you know, and I know that I'm not in a position of strength here. Okay. So man to man, just be a guy. Why don't you give me a hundred bucks? And he goes, I'll tell you what, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> I said, so. <laughs> and that man was Jay Leno. <laughs> 50 bucks it is. Yeah. You want to keep it? Is that, that's the same thing that happened to me that I think that I know happened to you too. When you hit a deer. Oh. I had the same, t tell the story. Cause I had the same question when, when it happened to me. Well, I was driving home from a gig up in upstate New York somewhere. And I was south of Syracuse. I forget if I was performing in Syracuse or Rochester and whatever. So I'm coming back. It's the middle of the night. Uh, I'm going to drive through the night, you know, so it's like mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning. And uh, I was new to even living in New York. Um, I was, I'm from Miami, Florida. There, there's no, and I remember passing a deer crossing sign and I was like, that's weird, you know, and then a, another deer crossing sign. And I swear, I'm so naive. I thought a deer crossing sign meant like um, for families, hey, be on the lookout. There's, there's cute deer on the side of the road yeah. if you want to look at them. Get your camera. I yeah. I thought it was like a tourist thing. I didn't know it was a warning. You know, I was like, oh, there might be wildlife on the side of the road that you can look at. I should have brought my so, easel. Yeah, right, right. Stay there. I'm trying to paint you. Um, so I'm driving and out of nowhere, out of the bushes, a deer just uh, jumped right in front of me. It was the Datsun 510, in fact. Right. And um, that thing landed like the right from the right front fender to the left front fender. Like it just landed right there mm. I, I saw it and hit it at the same time like there was no i couldn't even get my foot on the brake yeah and i remember seeing its eye that's how horrible like oh. I, like like i remember it like looking at me like what are you doing like and it i hit the thing the deer and it popped my hood up and the deer rolled over the top of the car like a, i could he hear the rumbling like it went, mm -hmm. and um and I'm now I'm driving 60 miles an hour with the hood up. The the and uh, I'm like, okay, this isn't good. Yeah. And I started, I, I put on the brakes and I tried to get over to the the shoulder. You know, but I had no, I couldn't see anything. Like I don't know if, if there's a sign or a something, I'm gonna hit it and right. die. Yeah. It, it was the most terrified I've ever been in my life, and I pulled over and. Uh, you know, I just sat there for a few minutes like, wow, what the heck did I just do? And, um, you know, it, it, it's a lot went on. But um, I, I remember I had to go to the next exit and uh, I had to just walk mm -hmm. to the next exit to try to call AAA or something like that. And I'm, it's the middle of the night I'm walking and a big 18 wheeler pulled up and the guy said, you need uh, you need help. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, uh he goes, what are, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm walking to the next exit because I hit a deer back there. He goes, hop in. I'll take you. And I just hopped in, and I'm thinking, I could be climbing into the village. <laughs> yeah. Truck, you know, like, <laughs> talk about a leap of faith. Yeah. I remember, like, climbing up going, is this, I'm, this is like the dumbest thing ever that I'm climbing into this guy's truck. But he was completely legit and kind and to to his credit, he didn't kill me. Right. You know? So um, anyway, it was a long night, but it was something else. Yeah, I hit a deer. Uh, I was coming home from uh, a gig, so driving through the night. Still had a day job at the time, so I had to be at work in the morning. Driving through the night, coming north through Jersey, and I hit a deer. And I hit a Jersey deer, so he said, fuck you, before I hit him. <laughs> And it's the same thing. I got pulled over, and the adrenaline spikes, so it wears down. Car won't start. I got to start walking. Walking, guy pulled over, saw it. The guy behind me saw it, pulled over and picked it up. He goes, hey, man, I just saw what happened. Guy in a truck. It wasn't a pickup truck. It wasn't a, uh, a semi. It was a pickup truck. He goes, I just saw what happened, man. I can take you to the phone if you want. I said, oh, great. Thank you. He goes, 
You going to keep that thing? And I said, I'll tell you what. Give me 50 bucks. <laughs> no, but that's what he wanted to do. I said, you can have it. I don't, what do I, I just don't want to go home. I had the same thing. Yeah. When, when, when the, I finally got the tow truck, you know, I got off the exit, <clears throat> got a tow truck, went back to the, <clears throat> my car. Right. The deer was like way behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same exact thing happened. Uh, these, the truck pulled up, um, guys came over and asked me if I could, if, if I wanted to keep the deer. And I was like, what am I going to do with that? <laughs> yeah. Would you mind shoving it in the back of my Datsun <laughs> I said, uh, no, I, I don't have any intentions on keeping it. <laughs> and they said, do you mind if we keep it? And I'm like, sure. You know? <laughs> so they were, they started like, Woohoo! Like high five at each other, and uh, and they ran back. And the tow truck driver said, "Do you know what just happened there?" I said, "Not really." He goes, "It's a law. If you hit a deer, you're not you're not allowed to be. It wasn't hunting season, right. so if you hit a deer, you're allowed to keep it, mm-hmm. but only you, unless you give it to someone else." Right. So, um, I guess me verbally saying that they could keep it meant right. that they could legally have it. So basically you, you have to hunting season's hunting season, but you can hunt with the dots in year round. Is that. Yeah. Look for the deer crossing signs. That's uh, <laughs> that's where they are. I learned that. Oh, that's, that's funny. Yeah. Those driving stories. Cause we would drive to gigs. I was thinking about the East coast is you could make a living. I was making a living as a kid, as a comic without getting on a plane. Yeah. Well, I, I also, would buy uh, Greyhound mm-hmm. bus company had a thing called the Ameripass. You pay one amount and you can go anywhere they go for a month. So, it's, and I would do that. Like when my cars, when my cars would hit deers and break down and I would sell them for 50 bucks. <laughs> so there were times when I didn't have a car. So I would uh, buy an Ameripass. I forget what it was like a hundred bucks or whatever it was. Right. Um, and I would go from gig to gig on a bus. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one time I finished a gig and then early the next morning I had the club manager take me to a Greyhound station. Cause I had to take the bus to the next gig and he's driving. It was like six in the morning. Yeah. And he drives me to this gas station out in, like near a cornfield like this. And there's a old rickety Greyhound sign hanging like it's rusted and <laughs> The dog oh, died. This don't, don't look right. And this don't look the, right. The guy dropped. The guy said, "I gotta go." He goes, <laughs> "If you have any, so good luck." So he drops me off. I'm by myself. The gas station's closed. There's an old Greyhound sign just slowly blowing in the wind. It's all rusted out. And I'm like, "This isn't right," you know. And then the bus was supposed to come like at six thirty or something. Mm. So at six thirty. From around the cornfield, this Greyhound bus turns and comes up and stops. The, the driver's laughing, <laughs> opens the door, laughing, saying, I've driven this route for two years, and you're the first person that was ever here for a pickup. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> well, okay, because you're welcome to get on, but every seat is taken. You're going to have to sit on the floor. And I'm like, are you serious? He goes, I'm dead serious. He goes, every seat is taken, but you're allowed to sit on the floor. So I, I put my bags in the overhead thing and the seats are elevated, you know, like you step up to where the feet, yeah, yeah. Your feet are. So every seat is taken. And I sat on the floor between people, like looking up at them. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm jealous of people sitting in Greyhound bus seats. I'm envious. Like I would give anything to be one of them. And I just sat on the floor until the next stop. And then finally somebody got off like an hour later. And then I was able to upgrade to a chair. Yeah, you were, you were in human class. You, weren't, you didn't have pet status. Oh, oh shit, that's funny. Yeah, we've we've had so, so when you were when you were driving to gigs, 
Is it, was it Dennis? Your, your, I can't tell the audience. Your brother Dennis is a great comic, great writer. Yeah. I, I read, uh, I've seen him, I see him all the time when I did King of Queens because he wrote for Kevin. Um, and uh, was he the one, was he the brother you were in the car? The story where you pulled the emergency brake because you didn't know what it did? When that you... was me. That was me and my brother Pat. Oh, okay. <clears throat> uh, my brother Pat was driving. Mm hmm. And we're at a busy intersection. He's trying to make a left, you know, right. and there's cars coming towards us and he's waiting for a gap so he can make a left. Mm -hmm. And as he's making the left, I didn't know the emergency brake was between the driver's seat and the passenger seat. Yeah, the handbrake. The button. The e-brake, the hand e-brake, yeah. I didn't know what it was. So I just pushed the button and pulled it up as he's making a left as <laughs> oncoming traffic is coming at us. I said, Pat, what does this do? And I pulled it up and and he, and we just stopped dead. All these cars have to screech to a halt. And he's like, what the hell's the matter with you? I'm like, I wanted to see what it did. He goes, well, you found out what it did. We almost got killed. What possessed you to go while it's moving? What I have no idea. I am curious. I was a curious, a curious sort. <laughs> I was curious. You know, I remember when we were touring the, the nuclear reactor and I opened that door. I'll never do that again. Yeah, right. Uh, what do these levers do, you know? God, is that funny. But you have <laughs> that you have that innocent quality um that that it, it's 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 not silliness. It's it's brilliant silliness in your act. It's like you it's absurdist, but there's there's a definite um intelligence behind if it makes any sense i always i always Thank likened you to like colombo ah uh, that's cool i like that thank you yeah yeah i i think i think if it's just dumb stuff then it's mm -hmm. like buffoonery yeah, yeah you know i want it to be i want the guy i, I want me to be the observer of it like like i want i want the act to come off as I'm wise enough to realize these things. Yeah. You know, sharing how I feel and that sort of thing. But there has to be an intelligence to it or else it's not fun. Yeah. You know. No, but I think you, you straddle it. Not, not to get too deep into the analysis of it all because it's just, it, it's fucking funny. But it's what what, what I think you've achieved is you, you're in the, people call your comedy observational. I'm like, it's deeper than that because it's an observational, but like you said, you're in it. So, I mean, theoretically, philosophically, you're in the witness state reporting for everybody else. <laughs> you're providing a vessel for people to experience this with you. That that that's pretty. That's that's that, that's some advanced shit, Regan. That's cool. Thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like comedy to come from different perspectives. You know, um, yeah. like the observer, but also the, the the observed. Yeah. You know, it's from both both angles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's uh, and I think it's because of the peach schnapps that you do right before the show. <laughs> well, it's a ceremonial thing. Mm -hmm. I do a shot of chilled peach schnapps before every show. It's just something that I like to do. Um, when I was doing comedy clubs, the first night I would take the bartender aside and say, "Listen, um, I like to have a shot of chilled peach schnapps before a show, mm -hmm. but it's not very macho." So, <laughs> I want you to know that I'm going to call it a lightning bolt. So, <laughs> so when I ask for a lightning bolt, that's what it is. And uh, you can act really rugged while you're making me a lightning bolt and slide it over to me. There's your, there's your lightning bolt, Regan. <laughs> and I down it like I'm a man. <laughs> that's funny. Can you serve it to me in a jock strap? Is that possible? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that that's funny. I gotta ask you one more thing. I could talk to you all day, my friend. You just you make me laugh. Um, Thank you. But I gotta ask you uh, about John Cleese. Didn't John Cleese come up to you after a show? He yeah, he came. <clears throat> I was performing in San Francisco. I don't know. He he was at my show. Yeah, uh, which was just and I, I don't I don't know, like if he came with friends. Or if he chose to see me, like, I don't want to claim something that I don't know. He, there might have been buddies of his or people with him that wanted to come. Yeah. He could have called in a radio show. You don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
uh, or what, what, when people would uh, at the comedy clubs, you win a party. You yeah, know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> they pulled his business card out of the fishbowl. Pulled his business card out of a fishbowl. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but anyway, he was nice enough to come back after the show, and I got to meet him and talk to him, and he talked a little bit about my act and had some nice things to say, which was, you know, like mind blowing. And um, he asked me if, how much of what I did was improv on stage. And uh, I I said, most of it is planned out, but I try to keep gaps in there where reality comes through, you know? And uh, he told me that on uh, Monty Python that he, like to know every single beat, every single word, every single action. Mm. He liked knowing what it was going to be. He said that he wasn't comfortable with the the gray areas of improv. And I, I was fascinated by that because I'm a huge fan of his. I used to love Faulty Towers. Mm-hmm. I just think he's great. But to go back and realize that he was very meticulous about how he does his comedy and that he didn't leave anything to chance was interesting to me. Yeah, George was like that. You ever worked with Carlin? I never got to meet him. No? Okay. No, no. I got to open for him at Comedy and Magic for, for two nights. Wow. Yeah, oh, it was dream come true. So he's in the green room, and you can't go in before the green room. He said, you know, they, they, you know, Mike tells you, you know, it's George's afterwards. You're more than welcome. So he's in there preparing just like John. I mean, because Carlin has said, I don't improvise. I memorize. So it's all written and beaded out for him because it's a performance. He has that same, it's, you have that Carlin-esque ability not to leave anything on the bones when, when, the, when the premise lands on the floor. Well, you're very kind. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm not kind. I'm, I'm observant, Regan. That's all it is. All right. Thank you. Yeah, Carlin was, uh, I, I don't think there's a comedian out there who didn't like George Carlin. I no. Mean, he was just brilliant at, at what he did. And so many ways, his writing, his... Uh, I, I remember when I first got into comedy, um, I was trying to learn everything I could, you know, mm-hmm. trying to learn about <clears throat> everything, including transitions, you know, how to get from one bit to the next and that sort of thing. <clears throat> George Carlin did the Tonight Show, so I'm watching, you know, I'm eating, eating it up. Mm-hmm. He does a couple of bits, gets some good laughs, and then he looks into the camera and says, new topic. <laughs> and did a completely different bit, and I was like, whoa. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Can I ask you about your first Tonight Show? It was with Johnny. Yes. And you did panel was... because? Because of a fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Carson was the host. It was it was my dream, as it was most comedians' dream, to be able to do the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. There were, there were talks in the air that he was uh, going to be announcing that he was going to retire soon, mm-hmm. so... I was like thinking, all right, this dream might not happen, you know? Um, But anyway, so I I auditioned and got the show. So it was like amazing. So that night that I'm performing, Bob Hope was supposed to be on the show. I've heard of him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, He he, he was in show business for a while, (laughs) but anyway, so he was playing a lot of wars. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody can do theaters, Regan. He's playing yeah, conflicts. He wars. <laughs> you may have seen him in Vietnam. <laughs> in Korea. Um, anyway, uh, so he was supposed to be the first guest, but so the the show starts and um, he's not there. I don't know this at the time. They tell us afterwards that. He's filming a special for the return of the Gulf War troops. So I did my set, and uh, I walk back through the curtain, and the producer comes up to me and says, uh, hey, good job, which, you know, that in itself. Sure. And the guy said, listen, um, Bob Hope still isn't here, and we don't know if he's going to make it. So uh, we need to fill time. Mm -hmm. And... um, We'd like to bring you back out. We don't have time to set anything up. We don't have time to do a pre-interview. So Johnny Carson, he he goes, you're from Miami, right? I said, yeah. He goes, Johnny Carson will ask you about being from Miami. 
and you just be ready to go into five minutes of clean material. Got it? And I was like, <laughs> I said, I, I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. But in my mind, I'm going, I, I had 15 years to get my first five minutes ready. Yeah. And now I have one minute to get my next five minutes ready. Yeah. Like I had no time to prep. So I went out under those circumstances and I shook his hand and I, you know, shook the other guests hand and sat down. I, I felt like I was on space mountain. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And he said, uh, so, uh, you, you grew up in Miami, right? Uh, and I, so I went into a, a, a joke that right. I had prepped and, um, I got a good laugh. Mm -hmm. He laughed mm -hmm. like I was able to see physically see him laugh when you do the set He's behind you, so you can't, you yeah. know. So you, you want to just look into the camera and go, Johnny Carson is laughing <laughs> at me. <clears throat> you know, like like it's surreal. Yeah. And um, so after that bit, he sensed that I was done. Mm -hmm. And he just picked up the ball, and then he told a story, and then that got a laugh. Right. And then that was the end of the segment. And, like, only I knew that he saved me. Right. You know what I mean? Like if he had not been Johnny Carson and skilled, and I've heard that from other guests. I've heard other guests reminiscing about their time with him where they said that he could sense when the story was over and he would just very smoothly take the ball mm -hmm. and score, you know, for you basically. And it was, uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. And I, I that's great. I, I, uh, my time frame, I missed that, that opportunity, but, but Johnny, Johnny was a master, and 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 you are as well, my friend. I can't thank you enough for being with me, Adam. Thank you so much, man. Uh, this was a lot of fun. Uh, you're a funny dude and a good man, and uh, let's get together. Let's get together in a car and and, and mow down another deer. <laughs> That'll be fun. All right, I'm driving. Don't pull the e brake. Okay. <laughs> good to see you, brother. Right. Best of the family. Continued success. Check out Brian on all his social media and his website, brianregan.com. If you get a chance to see this man work, I highly recommend it. Stay safe, brother. Be well. All right. Thanks, Adam. The Adam for Our Podcast is brought to you by cruiseintowellness.com. Now, let's say you have stress. Like you? Yes. Let's say you have anxiety. Like you? Yes. You know what you should do? You should do what I do. Scream and yell and drive your wife insane? What? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Go to cruiseintowellness.com. They have edibles, tinctures, pain creams, bath products, pet products. Yes, young lady. And the bath bubble thing. And the bath bubble thing when your husband screams and yells and drives you insane. 20% mm -hmm. off with the coupon code ADAM. Cruiseintowellness.com. Go. Feel better. Hey, this is Brian Regan, and that's 30 minutes I'll never get back. It was so good to catch up with Brian again. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love him. Love him, love him, love him. He is so great. I, I've been a fan of his for years. I've, he's always made me laugh hysterically. And when I was working on the morning show, literally 20 years ago, mm -hmm. I would do the interviews with him. Like he would come through town at the improv and the host would be like, oh, do you want to stick around? Yes, I'll do it. Let me talk to Brian. And I would be on the phone with him and he would just go, damn it. He was so funny. He's still funny. I just love him. And to hear you guys talk to hear what a great duty is. Yeah. It's just, just loved him. It just was awesome. Yeah, I, I really love comedy like that. You know, he's smart, silly. Mm -hmm. You know, he doesn't take himself Ooh. too serious. He's smelly. He's smelly. <laughs> he's smelly. <laughs> and I thought it was perfect analogy that you um, made about Columbo. Oh, and, yeah. And, which oh, I kind of yeah. think about you too, Adam, believe it or not. I'm sorry. What is it exactly? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know what's cool about that, too? I don't think I've ever been as excited to see a comic on The Tonight Show besides you, obviously. Mm -hmm. When I saw Brian's appearance, I was so happy for him. And you know, I remember Johnny saying, that comedian was pretty funny. Let's bring him back out again. I was like, wow, I've never seen that. And the cool part of that is that um, Brian and I are working together in Stanford. So, <laughs> you know, and so the cool part is that he, so he did The Tonight Show on either Wednesday or Thursday, and then we were working together Friday and Saturday. Mm -hmm. So, I got to like hear the story firsthand, like right after it happened. That's great. Yeah, it was. He's and he's got a bunch of a road stories. The bus. He was riding the bus. I thought that was great. Now, he wasn't even. He didn't even have a seat on the bus. He was sitting, which you're not allowed to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know what killed me? Upgrade. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that. But he's doing yeah. it anyway. And when he hit the deer, I used that as an excuse to get a day off of work. 
What do you mean? Here's what happened what? to me. This is when I was a dishwasher at the bank. Remember that story? <clears throat> yeah. So I was doing stand-up at night. <laughs> dishwasher at the bank still kills me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was a dishwasher at the bank, and I was driving home from a gig in South Jersey. I, I hit the Jersey deer. The car, I, I finally get the car up and running, and I get it home, and I realize I'm not going to work. I'm tired, and I got a built-in excuse. I called up. I go, listen, I'm down in Jersey. I'm not going to make it back. I hit a deer. They got to fix the car to get it running. I'll be in tomorrow. Because <laughs> I knew I was going to drive the car to work tomorrow, and there was a guy who worked there. He was a waiter. His name was Nicky, and he didn't trust anybody. <laughs> He didn't trust anybody because if I don't come into work, he's got to do his job and my job because it was only a four-man kitchen. So he's got to do the prep stuff and serve stuff. So he's pissed off at me. I come in. He was an older man. He was like, what is this? You, you're a liar. I don't believe you. I said, come on out and look at the car. It's a freaking hoof sticking out of the car. <laughs> but you were lying. What? But you were lying. Not as far as you know. <laughs> it was a timing lie. I did hit yeah. a deer. Okay. I just okay. didn't yeah. hit it that day. Okay. okay. That, that's that's too original of an excuse to not be true. I hit it. Usually it's my dog did something or, but you know, I hit a deer. Yeah. Really? Okay. And I got the wreck car to prove it. I'm sleeping mm-hmm. late. So you I, hit a buck and lost a buck. That's funny. <laughs> oh. Well, it's, you... it's funny to talk about, but when you're actually in it, like when you hit a, a oh, wild yeah, it was animal, scary. It's, it's horrible. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, f- I felt horrible. I was like, I was like, oh, my God, I feel so bad. Yeah, no, I, I, I felt horrible. So, I, yeah, I hit a deer, and Mark had a squirrel in his skylight. Yeah, yeah, I did. Santino, the squirrel. <laughs> I named him. You named it. I yeah. named my pet, too. I had a mouse named Pepe. Pepe the well, mouse. Yeah. This one was named Santino because he had a real temper. And <laughs> I go into the bathroom and he's freaking out in a little little tiny window there. Mm-hmm. And like you, Alex, I want to free this member of the animal kingdom because yeah. I love him. Yeah. So, but I recognize that he's a little agitated, mm-hmm. named being Santino and all. Sonny was always a hothead. I get oven mitts and ski <laughs> goggles on. And I'm like, all right, this seems like it should be safe. Let me open up. I'm going to grab Santino and I'm going to take him outside and he's going to be free. <laughs> I opened up that little window. It's like the little sliding windows. Uh-huh. And Santino comes charging at me. Oh, yeah. Teeth and claws like, ah, let me out of here. <laughs> I slam it shut. I scream like a little girl. Then I call <laughs> up the landlord and I say, you got to get this thing. They bring animal control over here. I don't know what happened to Santino. They told me they took him to a rabbit farm where he could chase rabbits all day long. I'm going to believe that until the day I die. Good for you, Mark. That squirrel's dead. <laughs> I am going to believe he's on a rabbit farm. Thank you very much. Okay, good. <laughs> I had a squirrel in my apartment. Remember the squirrel in my apartment, Adam? I do. Yeah, it was in my ceiling, and it uh, somehow like clawed its way through the ceiling. Now it's in my apartment. I can't find the thing. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I call the front office. I go, "There's a squirrel in my apartment. Can you please come and get it out?" And she's like, "Well, how inconvenient is it?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> There's a squirrel in my apartment. She's like, how inc- how inconvenient? He-, he won't give me the remote. Can you please come and get him? <laughs> Did they? No. <laughs> no, I moved. So it's still there. <laughs> yeah, I moved. You should have called Alex to get it out. She's in the back. Yesterday, she's in the backyard with my slingshot shooting peanuts at a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> this is <What>? my wife, <laughs> Diana, <laughs> goddess of the hunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. David and Goliath of you. They, thank you, Top Gear, that you got that. Uh, I don't know what episode of Top Gear, but I'm like, hmm, the Top Gear slingshot. It's yeah, like- my, my wife feeds her creatures in the backyard. What she doesn't realize is as, as Snow White gathers all these animals, larger animals that eat smaller animals show up for the Golden <laughs> Corral buffet that is my backyard. Yeah, I created a cycle without me knowing it. I don't like it. So now there's hawks sitting in my trees waiting for the feeding. And yes. my wife goes out. <laughs> she goes out. And she, 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 we got a little deck outside the, out, outside the bedroom. And she, I see her out there. She's got my slingshot that I got from a Top Gear episode. And she doesn't want to hit them. She just wants to scare them. Yeah. So she's shooting peanuts at a hawk. But the peanuts don't weigh enough to go anywhere. A- so, Adam, Adam goes like this. Give me some rocks. Go get a handful of rocks. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to uh, hurt it. And he goes, don't worry. I got it. So yeah. Adam, in a towel, because he just got out of the shower. Yeah. Is it, is it slingshot with the rock, and he just, like, hit the trunk of the tree, and then it scared. It did the trick. Yeah, that was me. Like Tarzan in a friggin' loincloth. I'm in a... <laughs> 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 I 
Where the hell did you get a slingshot? Can I? Who who has a slingshot? I got. But we were in Top Gear. We went to one of these uh, one of these uh, gift stores in like uh, some some rural gift store in Colorado. And I remember I said, "Ooh, I need a slingshot." I got that, some maple syrup, and a yeah. coonskin cap. He used to came, come back. <laughs> when with does all that these... come up in life? I need a slingshot. When it does came that come up? up two days ago when I got a box <laughs> in my trees. And I'm glad yeah, you had it. Thank you very okay. much, Adam. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what else made me laugh in the Brian interview? When he was riding with his brother, he didn't know what the e-brake does. What does this do? While he's driving, he pulls the emergency brake. It was great. That wow. was so great. Oops. Oops. <laughs> What's this do? Yep. Well, now you know. You almost killed us. <laughs> well, now you know. That's something you would do, Adam. Yeah, I'd probably. Well, that's something I, I, that's something I would do. Not to me, but I would do it to Phil. <laughs> what a shocker. You had done it to me. You, you had done it to me. Oh, God. So, so used Mark. To turn on my, remember, you used to turn on all my, like, my windshield wiper. <laughs> My radio, like I, Mark, what? I'd be putting something in the trunk. So we'd be hanging out, whatever, doing a gig somewhere. I'd be putting something in the trunk. He's in my car alone. I haven't started it yet. He turns on the windshield wipers, the high beams, the blinker, the rain, like every, the air full blast, you know. And I don't know any of this, so I get in and start it up. What the fuck? What the? F- yeah, air's blown up. Windshield white. Like, what do I do first? What do I do? So yeah, and I'm so, like, what the fuck? So it all goes off. He goes, what the fuck? I just bought this car. He had a Mazda six. Because I just bought this car. I go, ah, it might be the ECU. What the fuck is that? <laughs> yeah, that's what you said. The ECU is the computer that controls the cars. You know, sometimes the sensor could be wrong, oh, and it just turns everything. Goes, fuck? what the fuck? He goes, I'm bringing this thing back. I go, nah, 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 nah. Just wait, see if it happens again. It might just be a one-time thing. So we went home. He dropped, you know, he, 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 we went, I guess we were staying, you were staying in my apartment because we were staying at the house. So he went home. I got up early in the morning. I got the key. I went back in. I opened up the car. I put everything on again. <laughs> he got up to go to get coffee. He said, fuck, it happened again, Phil. <laughs> Phil, take it easy. It's only twice. You never know. So then, I, then, it, then it didn't happen for like three days, four days. He picked me up again. I did it again when he didn't see me. I'm calling these fucking people. <laughs> I did call them. I know. I called them. I called the guy. I said, I want to speak to the manager. I just bought this car. Oh, my $28,000. $28, windshield wipers go off on the air. Everything's on. What the fuck? He's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So your air is on? I go, yeah. And the blinker, but you, but the blinker can't go on unless you, you must be doing something with your leg. I'm not doing nothing. <laughs> He's yelling at the guy. I just get in and start it up and the whole, everything's on. Everything's on. Everything. <laughs> So you just let him make a fool of himself? I didn't let him. I didn't know he was going to call the guy. He just did it. And then when he did it, I was like, well, I'm not saying anything now. No, no, now you're in. Now he'll get mad at me. He'll get a slingshot and shoot shit at me. I think from now on, like anytime anything like that happens out of the ordinary, I have to play that sound in my head. (laughs) And ask myself if that might apply here. The answer is remotely yes. Then it's him. It's yep. him. Mm-hmm. Fucking guy. Answer. Phil, I didn't know the story was going to go that way. All right, so I'm sorry you had to take the hit. The fuck? <laughs> <laughs> what a dick. Uh, I want to thank Brian Regan for being my guest. It was really good to catch up with him. Uh, honey, if they want to get a hold of us, where do they go? The Adam Ferrara at Gmail. And thank you guys so much. The show is growing. If you get a chance to tell a friend and spread the word, that would be great. Uh, and show us how you are listening to us. Uh, take a screenshot if you're listening on Spotify or, or Apple Podcasts. Put it on your Instagram stories. Tag us at Adam Ferrara, and we will repost it. And, of course, if you have time to leave us a review, that helps us with our friend. Mr. Algorithm. Please remember, life is hot. Take it easy on yourself. The pod has ended. Go in peace. Don't tell me that's not me. And I he got yeah. so angry. I said, yeah, of course, Phil, it's you. I could tell by the hunch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. What does that mean? I don't have a hunch. Philly the hunch. Just call me Quasi. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well. Whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.